Live from the Royal Pantages Theatre in Toronto, Ontario, it's the Between Two Cans After Show Show. The rawest, uncut, unfiltered live podcast. This ain't your Grammys podcast. Put the kids to bed for the original bad boys of the OSR. Starring Mr. Hollywood, Brad Kerr, and the man who loves rules. He loves the sound they make when he breaks them all. The Hitman, Yokai Gall. It's been so long since we've done one of these that I forgot how much I hate your intros. I, I, oh, I just forgot. I wasn't ready. That was that. That was pretty good. That was a, that was a pretty good one. I, I hope. My only my only hope is that people start calling us Mr. Hollywood and the Hitman. That's my really ultimate goal no, here. No, that's God. Please. Okay. Hey, so, Mr. Hollywood. Uh, oh, hey, 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 fella. Nope. That's not, hey, Hitman. All right. You don't think that'd be cool? I <laughs> think your family yeah. would respect you more. People shouted, hey, Hitman, when they oh, see you. My. Nope. I'm not saying your family right, doesn't well, respect you. I'm just saying okay. I think I think it could help. I Thanks. Anyways, uh, hello, everyone. This is an after show show where we just sort of talk about usually re- RPG related things. Yep. Live and anything. unfiltered. It's not either of those things today. We're going to go through our mailbag backlog. Here's how this works. I'm going to pick questions that Brad... I'm going to pick questions and Brad's going to answer them. He might not know about the questions in advance. I mean, you're going to answer them too. I'm I'm going to be like, oh, you oh, yeah. answer first yeah, yeah. at least half the time. No, Oh, come on. That's not what we All mean. right. I, I mostly won't do that. This is... I, I take on the burden of picking them, which... Let me I just know. be clear. There are just so many of them. Oh, well, that's, we, we really you, have you to say that back, like it's like, a problem, you know? It's no, cool. it's not. It's just, it's been some of these, I feel bad because we keep getting ones and then there's ones from like January that we haven't answered. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to start. We're going to go through them. Hopefully we'll hit a few and then, uh, that, that'll be the show. So, all right, let's just, let's just jump in. All right. Go for it. Hitman. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Whenever you're ready, Hitman. Oh my goodness. Uh, no. Okay. You got I'm this Hitman. Can you just, dude. All right. Sorry, Hitman. Uh, there's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start from the top. Awkward Turtle asks, what do your home games look like? What system are you using? What house rules or hacks? Most recent module you actually ran? How did it go? Biggest delta between impression and actual reading slash playing? Staple, comma, perfect, comma, ring question mark? Uh, referring to staple bound, right, perfect bound, etc. So from the top, what are your ha- ha- home games? Look That's like? a lot of questions. That's a lot. Of, oh, um, wow. Wow. Um, I have two home games at the moment. Uh, one, they're both online. Uh, one is shifting to in-person soon, I think. Uh, we're playing um, most recently on Albear Rodeo and Discord, combination of the two. Uh, we've been playing Old School Essentials, and we're playtesting some new stuff I'm writing. Um, before that, we're playing uh, a weird mech game, Nova, by Spencer Campbell. We played that for about 14 sessions. Had a grand old time with that. Uh, it's a weird game. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, you, you've mentioned that more than once, that it's that you're playing it and that it's weird. Yeah, but uh, we had, a, we had, a, we had a, a good time. We had a good time with that. Um, yeah, my other group is with my wife and a few friends on the East Coast. We play through Discord. Uh, we're also playing old school centrals, actually. We're playing through, uh, the Black Apple. Bruh. Uh, we've been chopping away at that for quite a while because we don't really, uh, sync up very regularly. But, uh, time zones are hard. Okay. That's my answer. Yeah. 
That's great. Okay, okay. All right. That's enough. That's enough. Okay. That's enough. All right. I will run through sorry, it now. Sorry, Hitman. Okay. Sorry, Hitman. Go uh, ahead. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You're just gonna make people I was thinking I should just edit that part out. He won't they won't ask. They'll and know. then no, now you keep saying They'll it. Know. I can't. Okay. All right. All right. So what do your home games look like? Uh so I have I always have a random game set up. Like there's a group of people I play with every month or sometimes twice a month that are almost always one shots and in the the group keeps growing like every time i go there it's always a new person or two people have joined that weren't there before i had a game plan for this saturday morning but unfortunately one of the players dog got sick and then everyone decided we should just wait until monday so that's probably gonna happen monday now thoughts and prayers for that dog uh, and yeah okay and then the that that's that's the irregular game that I have, and then I also have a regular campaign that just ended with my regular players, which I've been playing with the same three people for a very long time, very, very like five years maybe. Um, and a, we have a, we've had a daily play by post. That is over. Uh, we are going to resume theoretically using Foundry VTT, so online. Uh, starting in the summer because two of them are school teachers, and the other one is taking a uh, he's going to go and do like stay at home dad stuff for just the summer. So I may be able to get all three of them to be able to play with me Sunday mornings. One is on the West coast, but he will just wake up early and play with us. So we'll probably play at like 9am on Sundays. I'm really excited about that. Uh, nice. to, you know, play sort of online at the same time. Mm-hmm. Nice, it's different. Nice. You know, I've done it before. Um, I also just ran, run random games, but those are my two constants. So we're, we're actually at a break right now. And I, I just started getting the itch again. It's been like, couple weeks and both two of the guys i play with are uh university professors and they both get the whole summer off so when they told me hey i'd like to do this i i jumped on it and so yeah great. you know i i'm sure i'll want to do play by post again and in fact i might do one anyways uh i'm obviously i'm running karen for both of these although i have recently run a couple other systems like 24xx and such just out of fun uh so yeah so that's what my home games are like um the most recent module I ran was the pamphlet adventure for Mothership, uh, Haunting of Epsilon 14. I ran that with the 2400 hack uh, Orbital Decay, which I loved. I ran that in person. It was fantastic. I don't, you know, I run modules, certainly, uh, and I, I am actually planning to run a module with this group. The problem is I've run through all my favorites with them already, and I was thinking of just writing something so that I can include that with the Karen box set and just use that. So that might end up happening legit, or legit, I might say, yeah. screw it. I might, I might also run reach of the roach God because it just arrives and I'm just, Oh man, kind of I just got my hard, tracking number. Hard Where is it? About, I want mine. I got, I got my tracking number the day after it arrived. What? That's not fair, man. <laughs> yeah, You're so making weird. me think my book's yeah, lost now. No, I texted De- Zedek and he said he was relieved that like people are actually getting them, you know, yeah. <laughs> like instead of just, in the, I'm, I can I can I can understand. Yeah. Anyhow, all right. So next question. The next the, the, the next question. Do you want to answer the the rest of that part? Or do I you, don't remember anything about what what else was there? It was the something like biggest Staple delta between imp- imp- like no well biggest delta between impression and actual playing like reading or play- reading. So like, what's the difference between on like a specific module or but, yeah, Black Apple Brew? You read Black Apple Brew, uh-huh. and then you ran it. Was there a big delta, or or do you have an example no. of? Okay, so you don't have one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I have. Well, I mean, I could, I could call out some stinkers, you know, that I thought would go good and didn't. go Yeah, good. exactly. That's a, that is exactly what's going to say that I have situations that are all going to be me crapping on it, and I just don't yeah. want to do that. Right. 
I'd, I don't want to do that. So yeah, uh, in terms of stable, perfect, or ring bound, it just depends on what it is, right? Uh, is no preference, no preference. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Well, it depends. Perfect bound can be hard to open sometimes, and I like stuff to be flat in the table, which staple and ring can do, but you get longer books. So. People always say that. I don't care if it's flat on the table. You know what I mean? You know what I like to oh, do? Oh, I do. I don't agree. I get I the little agree. sticky notes. I'm a little sticky note guy. You know, the little ones, you know? No, I don't. No. And I just fill my book with the sticky notes. I don't need to have it open because I'm like green little sticky. Bam, bam. There's my map. I don't need it open. I disagree. Okay, so. Perfect bound's fine. It's good, actually. N- I like perfect bound. Okay. Next is from Glass Possum. How do you prefer to play games? Is it different than how you prefer to run games because of player? Oh, that's an interesting question. How do you prefer to play games? Hmm. Um, I don't get a lot of opportunities to play as a player, but when I do, I have a good time, even if it's not my kind of game. I like to do it. I, here's, an, here's, um, here's something. I feel like the most inspirational times for me as an artist is when I'm experiencing media that is not good. (laughs) Like, I feel like the most fertile ground for me, you know, when I was like um, a musician and I was trying to write songs and and be in a band and stuff, I feel like going to open mics and hearing people sing was so inspirational just because I was like, oh, this is really bad. This is really bad. This, you know, and like the badness was like fuel me. I'd be like, I, it's like, I see so many ways that I would like to do what they're doing and tweak it, you know? So to uh, apply that to being a player, um, I love sessions where I'm a player and it's awesome and I'm having fun. I love sessions when I'm not having that much fun. Um, it's fun to just, sit in another person's shoes and feel and soak in that experience. Now I wouldn't want to do that every week for months or years, but for one shots or short campaign here and there, it's great, man. It fuels the tank. Um, so I don't know. I, I like, uh, just opening up my mind to new experiences. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, that's my answer. Yeah. I, mine would be, I mean, the actual answer the actual to the actual question. If I, mm-hmm. When I play games, it's very much the same. I, I I go hardcore. Okay, let me back up. As a GM, especially with OSR games, I try to be very neutral. I let the dice file fall where they may. But a part of my brain is thinking of what would be an interesting encounter, what would be an interesting problem to solve, what would be an interesting kind of fictional element, like a a wondrous thing to discover. I try to hit all those exploration, discovery, problem solving kind of targets. As a player. My the difference is it's just much more uh I'm much more selfish. I, I, I push and push to do those things. You know, I I, I would probably care less about NPC interaction and more just, hey, I don't care about this. Let's let's go out and see what's over the next crest or let's try to get past this. You're an instigator. Uh I mean, I'm not like I don't cause problems for the party, but I I do care more about the adventure part of adventure gaming than about the role playing. So the difference would be as a GM, I role play more because I have to, you know, you are playing everyone in the world. You are the world. And so the the difference is I have maybe more fun as the player, but I get more satisfaction as the GM because I feel like I'm telling a story, but they're, it's Mm -hmm. being crafted by someone else or something. It's, it's It's the feeling of a discovery that comes from yourself while also sharing yeah. in that, I, I, you know, it's collaborative storytelling. I'm being, I, you know, you know how I get about this stuff, but sure. Um, yeah. 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 It's uh, there's, um, I've talked about this book before. One of my favorite role playing game books is like completely a weird oddball book. The fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master's guide Two is like way, way better than it should be. 
You've said that, yeah, um, a co- quite a few times, in fact. I've, I've, dude, I stand by that book. It is solid, but it has a section where it kind of talks about like the archetypes of players and like motivations and like how to engage them. I mean, this is not like, new ideas. I've seen a lot of this in like blogs and other stuff, but I think it really effectively conveys like the types of players at a table. And you strike me as kind of the, um, I can't remember the archetype name, but you are, you're tweaking, you're, you want to see what happens. So sometimes you're a troublemaker, but you're like, you're pushing it because you, you want to see like, what does your will upon this world look like? And what happens when you tweak stuff? Right. Uh, th- so, um, no, yeah, um, so you it, like it, that it, high interactivity. It is the instigator. There's the instigator, the actor, the explorer is storyteller, power yeah. gamer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard these before. What's the, which one are you? Yeah. The watcher? <laughs> um, let me think. I don't know. I'm kind of an instigator. Um, I think, you know, I'm kind of like, the actor, I like like dumb voices and getting into a dumb character. Right. That does not um, surprise me at all. I don't know. It's hard. I think it's hard to, I, I feel like it's probably hard to diagnose yourself. And there's a high chance of misdiagnosing because it's like you're, you're looking through rose colored lenses like, oh, I'm the explorer. I love to see right. what's over the horizon. Right. That's right. me. You know, but really you're kind of just an asshole who likes pushing buttons at the table and making people uncomfortable. Okay. You know? Yeah. I feel like we can move on from this now. Uh, thanks for that question, uh, Glass Possum. Thanks, Glass Possum. Next is from Sigius. Are we going chronologically here? Are we going down the line? Uh, I I can jump around if you prefer. I was thinking about that. No, I don't. I'm just I'm just curious. I'll jump around after this one. So this is from Sigius. Hit me. How do you organize? Hit me, hit man. Well, this is interesting because you just answered this question already. How do you organize important information for quick reference? Uh-huh. Mini sticky notes, right? Mini sticky, I love mini sticky notes. Yeah, uh, mini sticky notes. I use uh, index cards. It's basically it. Pretty easy. Uh, what methods do you use to make sure that qu- yeah. quieter players aren't overshadowed at the table? Well, that's easy. You manage the spotlight well. You ask them what their character is doing. You check in with them if they haven't said anything. You ask them what their character might be thinking. You know, you qu- ask questions. Yep. That's an easy one. Ask questions. Yeah. And like shine the spotlight on them on those like quiet moments where no one is actively taking the reins. You know, when they enter a new room. Um, I don't know. Sometimes like I'll say, oh, hey, you, you, this character, you hear a dripping sound. Like, what do you do about, you know, it's like anyone could have heard the dripping sound. But I specifically call out the person I haven't heard from in a while to kind of get them uh uh, you know, shine the spotlight on them for a minute and put them in the driver's seat. But um, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, everything you said, I agree with. And the final question here is, do you have any techniques for melding together different pieces of content, like two adventures that have conflicting settings? Techniques. Interesting. You answered that one. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, you don't, you don't, I've said this before. You don't owe it anything to anyone as far as preserving like author intent at the table. Like just, hack out the stuff that doesn't work and fit it together any way it makes sense and uh there's no rules so whatever works for you works for you and that's cool yeah i feel like just don't don't worry about the author what the author's intent was if you're gonna borrow borrow i I get inspiration from things all all the time and in fact Sometimes I'll steal from myself, you know, I'll have an adventure that I, or a campaign or something that I I ran and I'll like one part of it and then I'll get rid of the rest and then I'll find a way to adapt that part into the next thing I do. So just don't be be beholden to anyone, including yourself. Just, you know. Right. Author's not going to find out. And if the author does care, does find out. What are they going to do? They don't care. Or at least they shouldn't care. they'll be fine. 
You know, I've uh, I've heard like someone said, oh, I played Demon Driven to the Mall. I'm like, awesome. I can't believe you play it. It's like someone played that. Great. I'm so happy. You know, it's set in like 16th century Scotland, like arguably my more like historical module. But they're like, yeah, we're a group of like cat boy sorcerers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sounds (laughs) sounds great. Cat boy sorcerers in Skyland. Like, like I'm glad you had fun. Like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, sweet dude. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. Next is from. I'm going to skip down here. Actually, what is something about your GMing that you want to try to improve? Hmm. Uh, you go first on this oh. one. Okay. A lot of things. I mean, I the first is easy. I don't really do voices. I, I, if I could do accents really well, I would love to do that. Just because I think they're fun. Not foreign accents, but you know, various dialects of English mostly. That would be cool. I can't do anything other than my own voice, and. Uh, or Jewish grandma. Those are my two. So it'd be cool to have a little more of those just to distinguish. I don't even mean dialect wise, just the ability to sound like different people. You know, there are some voice actors who can just sound different. In fact, side, side note. So one of my players works on a very popular television show and he recently, Mm. he's an editor, but he recently got an opportunity to record a kind of sub dialogue for a character that wasn't going to be added to later because they had a lot of cgi and his he did the he did he got like a two minute scene and he he just you know subbed it in there and the producer liked it so much that he said oh we'll pay you for it and you can just get a credit in the show and then later when i saw the episode i didn't ask him who he played yet until the end because i I wanted to see if i could guess and i i couldn't because his only when I found out in the credits which character he did, and then I went back and listened, did I could I tell that it was him. But he did a really good job, not only sounding awesome. like someone not himself, but sounding like a person of this specific alien species. And uh, I thought that was really cool. I, 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 you know, I'm envious. I can't do that. I can't make myself sound li- not like myself. Yeah. So that's one way. Um, yeah. It's kind of an easy answer because it's oh, who doesn't want to know how to do mm-hmm. different voices? But that is something that I care about because you know I'm really into languages and. Oh, you know what's related that I often wish I could improve on is I consider myself pretty good at coming up with names because a lot of them, you know, my method is very simple and I think it it's satisfying to myself and people find the names believable. But one thing that I would love to do is figure out how to make names for places that are not just from made up words, like made for places using plain English or, you know, or just plain descriptors sure. that don't sound dumb, you know, not uh, names that are like, like, I wish I had a, I think you're a good name, right? Go to you a lot for my name. Yeah. But I, you I know? feel like my dungeon 23, I'm like, Hey, the bad people need a village. And you're like, what do they do there? I'm like, they make yogurt. You're like sour hole. I'm like, yes, right. They live in. Sour yeah. So hole. that, Perfect. so that, uh-huh. yes, that's true. But I, I, I'm not, as good at that i guess okay i don't have an answer because i guess i am good at that but i i feel like i could be a lot better whatever (laughs) all right i will know because recently i've been coming up with ways to generate names for other people i've been i'm very bad at teaching other people how to do this and maybe that's what i want i want to get better at teaching it yeah and like actively striving to improve on something doesn't mean you're bad at it it just means like it's on your mind and you're working so fine fine it's this thing that i'm good at but i'd like to get better at um anyhow okay so now you answer Okay, yeah, those are those are good. Um, yeah, no, there's there's plenty that I wish I could improve on. I think one is, um, like the general tone of my games is usually pretty like light, 
and has a lot of humor. Um, I'd like to be able to like hit more serious story beats sometimes. I feel like sometimes I undercut like the dramatic, <laughs> um, big dramatic moments with comedy. Um, you know, which is, you know, like the style of games I'm running. I don't, you know, it's, it's fine. Like people are having fun, but you know, I dream of like the epic, you know, orchestral suites and like the big, you know, the big reveals. And, um, I think it's hard to get into that tone sometimes like that modality. Um, I also always struggle with villains in like the stories and campaigns I write. I feel like villains are so hard to make meaningful, realistic and recurring villains. Um, why is this villain someone who is villainous? Evil is really hard to convey realistically. And how can they keep coming back? <laughs> you know, it's hard to make that work. Um, but you know, OSR like doesn't really style games, you know, um, Villains don't always really, you know, I feel like that's kind of a construct of more like story, story based games, which you don't always see with like OSR style. Um, but I, that is something I'm always thinking about is like how to make a villain interesting. And uh, it's hard. I think it's really hard to do that. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what I got. What do you, what's next? Next is uh, from Gubernuts, who's the author of uh, Mangaya, which is a Philippines based uh, Karen hack. Big fan. We love goober nuts. Yes. Is there a system, OSR or non-OSR, you'd like to run but haven't Uh had the chance yet? Oh, man. Sure. Plenty. There's tons of games I want to run. Let me, like, start indexing them. I just ran Nova and had a great time. I also have really wanted to try Spencer Campbell's, like, quote, like, D&D killer. (laughs) Um, Slayers. I love Slayers. I made a custom class for it. Um, I've never run it, but it looks like a lot of fun. I think that's one you really need to be in person for by the uh, nature of how the dice work in that game. Um, I really like um, Liminal Horror. I would love to run Liminal Horror. Um, again, like that kind of tone for me is hard, like horror serious kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like modules we reviewed, like the mall, I'd, I'd really like to run that one. Um, yeah, there's a ton. Um, every time a game comes out, I'm like, I want to run this, right, you know? Right. I want to run something that's totally different, like Mazes. If you're familiar with Mazes. Yeah. That game is... Sure, is, sure, yeah. A, it reminds me a little bit of in, in the Light of a Ghost Star by Nature May, but it, it it's yeah. more... I'm interested in that. And one game that I'd love to finally get to the table is uh, mm-hmm. Rogue Scroll by uh, Epi Ravichol, mm. which is essentially the same rules as Swords Without Master, but it's uh, it's a little tweaked. Anyways, okay. I, yeah, that, I just... There's a lot of yeah, games I would love to there. play, yeah. too. Like, not necessarily mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like I love I, I love the White Hack. I've never played it. I don't know if it's a game I really want to run, but, like, if someone invited me to a White Hack game, I'd be, like, 100%, 100%. I, you know what else? This might surprise, that, this might surprise you. You know what I would totally... Yeah play again what's that dcc dcc oh man i don't like that again that's a book i don't have if if anyone invited me to join a dcc game i would like run to the store and buy that hardcover like i just need a reason yeah, you know yeah. but i would love to play it was, DCC it was for sure. one of if not the first osr game i ever played i think i played maybe bx essentials first i mean whatever you can argue about whether dcc is osr but yeah but it was it was i played <laughs> i actually played pathfinder before i played uh dcc and my goodness that's yeah, a, I thought I, yeah, I my understanding was that they both came from third edition or something. It's <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it does not feel that way. Oh, um, yeah. And you you can attest to this, too. About every six months, I 
I go, oh my god, maybe I should buy Delta yeah. Green. Yeah, and I go, hey, hey, Yochai, should I should I buy Delta Green? And I get like, you know, two hundred dollars of hardcovers <laughs> yeah. in my cart, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, all the pages on that. It's like six hundred. No, pages what you really? Yeah, I'm not gonna. Do I it. can't believe you haven't said. Yeah. The book that I I still you still constantly buy adventures for this. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Which one? Do you know you don't? Know? Oh, I know it's Warlock. <laughs> it <is> Warlock. <laughs> Warlock. I I buy so many you Warlock books. I don't know. Do I want to run it? Do I want to play it? I don't even know anymore, man. I keep buying these Warlock books. Well, let me ask you. What's the last time you played any any yeah. free league games? You know, Year Zero Engine or or Forbidden Lands? Like, yeah, I don't. I'm. I think in June I'm going to start running Forbidden Lands. I really think I'm going yeah, for you it. You just like you just like that that box set. I I'm impressed with it. I mean, they did a good job. Like boxes, that box is popping, yeah. man. The map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like the, the pushing mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> there's some crunch there, okay. but it's deadly. There's some good stuff, okay. man. I'm looking. I'm. I think there's. I think it might be good. I'm gonna try it. All right. Next question. Yeah. Anyway, the list goes on, huh? Ne- next question. Yeah. Go on. Uh, this is from members object object. We always go through okay. these. What is your favorite way to? Inter- yeah, yeah. We like members we d- object. Yeah. What is your favorite way to introduce? I mean, we like all these people. That's not fair. Okay. We like all okay. of our listeners okay. and and uh, and college. What is your favorite? We like you. What is your favorite way to introduce a new PC after a death? Uh, literally doesn't matter. They show up. Hey, hey, I'm new here. Um, I, 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 I don't care. I do not try to fit it into the story at, at gracefully at all. They're just there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I man, going way back. I this is I've been this has been me since the the jump. I mean, I was sixteen years old or seventeen or however it was playing third edition D anD D. Someone died in the mountains. It's like okay, hey, you're a new player. You, you're a new character. You just ate a magic mushroom that made you teleport. Bam! There's a bunch of adventurers here. We would use that magic mushroom all the time. <laughs> like new player or sorry, new characters just always seem to stumble on these magic mushrooms that teleport them to where action is. Um, <laughs> dumbest thing in the world, but it doesn't matter. No one remembers it. Get back in the action and start playing. Do not make people wait for something that makes sense. Have you played or heard of Down and Out in Dredgeburg by uh, uh, Skull, Yo, Skull yeah. Fungus? Yeah, 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 of course. That's so a good one. for those who don't know, in that game, what happens is the uh, players are dead and the entire adventure happens in the hell area sort of it's not actually that it's very you know limbo-ish but uh it is an interesting mm-hmm. thing to do when you have a tpk anyway yeah it's just you're in this dead, dead person world right now so so all right so yeah. the next question from members object just it's along with this one is what is your favorite type of jam yeah. or do you prefer jellies perhaps a preservative uh this is wordplay right are we talking about game jams and you're talking about food jams? oh i actually you know i didn't even think of I didn't even consider that. I thought I really thought they just meant jam, um, but maybe you are right. I I have a favorite type of jam, but um, why don't you go first? Well, let's hear it. No, no, no. <laughs> I answered the last one. I want to hear about your favorite kind of jam. What is your favorite um, kind of jam? Sure. <laughs> so silly. By the way, people are always correcting me. What's a jam? What's a jelly? What's a preserves? I, I, I defy you. They're all the same. I'm not learning the difference. Leave me alone. Jam so, and jelly is the uh, same uh, thing. Next how do question. you feel about a compote? Say it's all the same, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go a step further. Chutney, same thing. Yeah, chutney. I agree. It's a jam. It's just savory. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Pico de gallo. Yeah. Savory jam. I, I think I would have. Okay. I would have to go with rhubarb if I had a jam. Uh, it's pretty awesome but rhubarb if you consider curd an option 
you know, like a lemon curd on, you know, banana pancakes with... Okay, that's a jam. That's a jam. But... A lemon meringue pie is a jam. I'd like to talk about something. Recently, I mentioned okay. on the NSR Cauldron Discord server, I mentioned how I really like to make for myself a very special breakfast or dinner. depends on how I feel. Uh, basically, it's... Oh, here we go. Here we go. The oatmeal. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's almond butter, oatmeal, soy sauce, uh, a fried egg, and sriracha. Is what it is, and let me say something. I think it's the soy sauce that's getting. It people does. Here. Th- I think, I that's think what's getting I, people. I mean, it it works. You have to put everything together. Well, not the sriracha and egg, but everything I together. I, I just, I just need to put this out there. If you're listening, just try it. Just, just take some almond butter, take some soy sauce, make some oats, not the quick cook kind, obviously. And then when it's all ready, just, okay. just, just, just pop some fried egg on top if you're eating eggs, and then throw some sriracha. Ooh magnificent magnificent mag- what's the word magnificent there it is you know what i think a lot of haters out there are gonna are gonna disagree and i think they probably already have but i believe you thank you and uh i think that's i think that sounds like a great idea i feel like it's like uh you know what what's the rice porridge like con- oh kanji is pretty good right? I'm it's a like fan. A, it's like a variation of that I'm a fan. it's not like kanji right you get savory it's, with kanji yeah, all the it's time not like, it's, no but I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> that's like a porridge yeah that doesn't it's not afraid to get savory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and you're just saying, hey, we're, sw- we're swapping out, swapping it out for oats and almond butter. Actually, that's a little bit. Uh, so too. what is your favorite kind of jam then? Or do you have a different thing you want to sub in? Um, I guess I don't really even pay attention to what kind of jam is going on my food. Uh, let alone like what's the difference? Like it's kind of a sweet thing. <laughs> you don't care what uh, it is. Wow. What's my favorite jam? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when people are like, oh, what's your favorite, you know, flavor of Skittle or whatever. It's like I literally cannot tell the difference between these things, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's all just like, it's all just, it's all it's all sweet. It's all sugar. You know, sure. can you really like the orange one more than the green one? I don't, I don't have a favorite. Okay. All right. Um, I, I think having favorites of anything is childish. Oh. Uh, I'm no, an adult. And not, next question. I don't think that's fair. All right. Next question is. <laughs> All right. Next question is actually this one is how do you feel about monthly or yearly challenges and game jams? <laughs> I feel like we just answered this. No, or am I? Is that not fair? They're fu- uh, they're fun. They're fun. They're good time. Uh, I think you should jump in. It's a great way to, you know, if you're an aspiring designer, it's a great way to get your feet um get your feet in there it's a fun little thing you can all test each other's stuff. It's good what, stuff. what is uh good some stuff. some of your better known work that came out of a jam? Brad, do you have? Yeah, I mean, Demon Driven to the Maw is not one of my better known things, I think, but that was from uh, a game jam. That's right. And That's right. Um, it was, I, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I, I like it very much. I think it's one of my favorite things I've made. Um, it's, I've certainly had a lot of fun playing that one. Um, and yeah, this, I had, you know, I got it done in, in like a few weeks. So that was like a cool way to be like, hey, you got to get in there. I have a deadline. Helps me motivate, helps me finish. I've got, I know that it has an audience because like people are looking at these games, you know, it's like great impetus to get something done. That's a good point. So love jams. So that's, uh, yeah, that was from Lucky Luke. I forgot to say, uh, thanks Lucky Luke. I, I like jams. Thanks Lucky Luke. I am hosting a jam in June for Karen called the, uh, it's, well, the jam is called a town, a forest, a dungeon. Uh, check it out on itch it's pretty exciting i think we already have a lot of people yeah up. that's i bet you're gonna get a ton of good stuff there there's people really excited for that. yeah the last jam i did which was called force of another name 
got about 40 entries, which is really good. And uh, this one, Amazing. this one, I think I'll get more because it's more of a broad theme, and maybe there's just been more exposure since then. Anyhow, uh, the next question that's fun is from Cats Have No Lord, otherwise known as Luke Simmons. I'd be interested in a discussion yep. on how to avoid bottlenecking in designing an adventure, specifically thinking about how to have items that make it easier to move between areas without being required. Something like having a key that would open a door in a, dun- in a dungeon, but making it so the players aren't necessarily forced to backtrack and go look for it if they happen to have missed it. Or is this even an important thing to consider? Hmm. Um, do you want to answer first or do you want me to? No, you answer this. No way. I think bottlenecks... Um, it's, um, avoiding bottlenecks is not as important as being able to recognize and use bottlenecks effectively. A bottleneck can be a very interesting thing in a dungeon. Um, a bottleneck, something that has to be passed through, make, like, take a good look at that. Make, take a look at why that could be interesting at what, um, you know, what you could do with that. Um, now I don't like having one key for one lock okay if there is like a door and you need to get through it um maybe get a couple options for how to get through it you know the giant hammer or the key that's fine right but i think having bottlenecks can be interesting game design if you can see what it is and um plan interesting things around that bottleneck i don't know if that makes sense yeah i think examples might be useful Okay, so let me let me think of let me see if I can think of like bottlenecks in games that I've seen before, or like can think of some examples here. Um, I mean, it's we're really just talking about how do I avoid having like one solution for one problem, right? Uh, yeah, well, or forcing or, or force. Like, I think it also literal bottlenecking, forcing. Maybe maybe uh, they mean railroading a little bit. Okay, like if there's two major sections for your dungeon and you have to pass through like one corridor to connect them, right? That's a bottleneck. No matter how you go, you venture through section A, you're eventually going to want to get to section B and you have to pass through the corridor. Okay, so you can make challenges around just that passage. All right, let's say there's a big scary monster there. I'm going to put like a giant like bull beast there. Okay, um... A very, like, linear way, a very, like, not interesting way would be, oh, I expect the players to have to fight this thing. And and um, and that's the end of it. A more interesting solution to that would be to seed in some other encounters that could make that bull beast more interesting, right? Maybe there is a very handsome man bull beast that's imprisoned elsewhere in the dungeon, and you can, like, let it out to attract the big scary one to run away and pursue its potential mate or something like that. Maybe there's, you know, a wizard concocting potions in some tower somewhere. And yes, he's working on an experimental super powered sleep spell, but he needs some ingredients to finish it. Now we have like two interesting things in dungeon section a that we can use to get through that bottleneck that don't involve fighting it. But of course, if players are, not paying attention or just want to fight and they can do that too. So you've made like multiple ways to get through that bottleneck. Um, the bottleneck wasn't the problem. It was just having enough um, ways to engage with that is, is what's interesting. Um, 
Yeah. How's that? Is that good? Do you want me to keep going on that? Yeah, that sounds great. No, that sounds great. Yeah, I feel like it's a big topic. Yeah. All right, let's go down to this question from David Sheridan. Uh, He also has a blog called... uh, Technical Grimoire. Thank you. Uh, This is David Sheridan, also known as Technical Grimoire. Great blog, uh, does Great cool blog. game stuff. Good game yeah, designer, makes good uh, so, stuff. Yep, we right, love so David da- Sure to one. Yeah. So, just his question is: What prompted you to start a podcast, and do you ever consider changing the format or focus of the show? Uh, I don't remember why we started a podcast. Um, I'm not beholden to any format or or or, or masters or kings. Uh, I'll change very, it anytime I want if I'm bored. I, yeah, I can confirm that is true. Uh, I do remember is I think you and I had become friends and we, you know, you and I have a daily kind of convo going. And then, um, at some point I had jokingly said, Hey, we could, we could talk about this on a podcast or you would said it. Um, maybe we both said it independently. And then yeah. I don't remember what pushed me to think about doing reviews, but I had written a review of where the week grows tall and, I had thought, oh, that was kind of interesting writing a review, yeah. you know, and, and it, but it also was like a ton of work <laughs> to write. Right. It. <laughs> it's really a lot of work when just talking about it. There's a lot. It's a lot less work. Uh, you know, it's not nearly as critical, I think, but it, it yeah. does. It did help. It, it did. It did give me doing that. Writing that did give me a feeling that I could review things. Not to say that anyone, you know, anybody can review anything, but I just didn't really know how to do it before, and and maybe right. I still don't, but I f- I feel like I do, which is different than before. And anyhow, so uh, I think at some point we had thought, well, you know, you're a I'm a systems guy, and you're an adventure guy. And yeah, that was interesting to us. And to be honest, part of what drove me was I don't really like listening to most RPG podcasts. I just think yeah. the edit the editing and mic quality is usually very bad. I think, the, generally speaking, I don't love the hosts, but that's probably just me. But in general, the overall production values are, are pretty bad. I don't think we have amazing production values, but I think they're listenable. And one thing you said in the beginning that I really liked was, I don't want to listen that, to a that bunch we're of, the original bad boys of the it's OSR. Not, no, mean, is that what? No, okay. That no, what was sense. it? Then? It was, <laughs> it was that we shouldn't play music, and then make people wait for the music to end. Until we start talking, yeah. which I totally agree with. I, there's a couple podcasts I even like that I just sit there going, come on, start talking. <laughs> right. So right. we, we, you know, I, I think we were on the same page. We didn't want to do advertising. We didn't want to do promotional stuff. We didn't want to do yeah. uh, a lot of the stuff a lot of other p- podcasts do. This isn't a business for us. This is just a fun thing we do. We're just a couple of chuckleheads. I remember I was watching uh, a YouTube channel that I watch from time to time, uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe. Um, which was, um, you know, I don't know. Some people aren't, aren't fans of those creators. I, uh, whatever. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, what I like about the format, professional cartoonists, they flip through a comic book and it's more like, it's not a review so much as an excuse for them to talk about the process of making comics and admiring the work of the artists that are in there. And I like that kind of like insider perspective on, on comics. And I thought that was kind of inspirational and I wasn't seeing a lot of that in RPGs. You know, with RPGs, it's kind of like, how does this play on the table or, um, or stuff like that? It's, it's not, it wasn't as much like talking about the work as work. And I feel like that's where I was kind of at with RPGs is I was, 
interested in like the production value of a book and the writing in a book and the art in a book, you know, I think adventure modules are really weird beasts because like first and foremost, they are books as books, you know, but it's kind of like their enjoyment isn't meant to be (laughs) as books. It's meant to be this other thing that happens after the book. And I don't know, to me, it's, it's just like a really unusual phenomenon, the way that, um, people engage with, with modules. And, um, yeah, I guess I was kind of interested in just engaging with that and challenging that in a, in a, in a fun format with a friend. So that's, that's my answer, I guess. Yeah, it's a good answer. Uh, uh, moving on from Q pop. What is your favorite thing that you've ever written? Not necessarily a whole book, but that's fine too. But even like a specific room or monster or treasure, whatever you've done that tickles you the most. Oh, yeah, I don't know. This is like, I don't know. Do I want to be like talking about how cool we are right now? I don't, I don't know if I feel like doing that. No, you don't have to talk about how cool you are. Talk about something you like. Like, I did this uh, thing that was so cool and fine, I'll start. The thing that I thought of immediately, the thing that I'm the uh, most proud of is I yeah. wrote I wrote, a, I wrote a magic hack for Karen based on yeah. the, the Goblin's Laws of Gaming magic rules, the Glog magic rules. Yeah. And w- the reason I'm really proud of it, there's two reasons. One... I really like that I was able to sort of minimize or whatever. I was able to strip down parts that kind of threw me when I first learned about it and make it as clear as possible to me, which like it helped me understand the Glog better despite having played both Mouse Ritter and, uh, you know, used Glog templates before. I still felt like this, oh, I finally really understand Glog style magic, which if people who don't know, you invest magic dice, which is a D6. You invest magic dice into a spell. The more you invest, the more powerful the spell might be, but the more of an impact it might have. Um, so, so I really liked how, how it worked, but then also I really enjoyed writing this table of about 20 entries of magical mishaps. I really had a good time writing that. I felt like it was just pouring out of me and I, I I'm not, even saying it's good. I'm just saying I really enjoyed the writing process. I believe yeah. at you know in the mishaps table, the highest one you <laughs> swap bodies with a deity or something. Like it gets so crazy. Like they just got so nuts. Like in one one of them, you permanently fuse your grimoire with one of your hands and you lose a uh spell slot. Or sorry, you lose an inventory slot from your from your character sheet like you you have to actually mark it off on your character sheet with a pen but that you get these other benefits i, I you know it's stuff like that like i really yeah, enjoyed writing great, that great so stuff. so i'm just i'm not like saying it's good i'm just saying i really actively I hear you. enjoyed it so okay let you go okay okay my think my favorite thing i wrote is an adventure in my book wyvern songs called the singing stones um i think when i'm writing adventures to some degree, I'm, I mean, mostly I'm writing something that I wanted to play, but part of me is always trying to also make it um, palatable and um, accessible to people. I think that one comes the closest to how I run games from my own fr- friends and how I want to run games. Um, it was also, I felt like you said, it, it was, it came out very quickly. Um, and there's a, uh, in playtesting it, there was a really interesting moment 
where my players did something I did not think they would do at all. <laughs> I made all these caves that are kind of pointless um, waste of time for them to explore. And I tried to convey that in the table. The crystal caverns, and is that it? The crystal caverns, yeah. And my players were like, let's explore the caverns tonight. <laughs> like, that's the first thing they said when they got there. And I'm like, <laughs> like literally nothing prepared. Um, and that, you know, like sometimes when you're improving at the table, it's like an absolute nightmare. You, you didn't have uh-huh. poor Pendleton? already prepared when his his rock, his, his rock susan wow you remember this man i had to read this shit for you you did you did Do thank you, you for that wait wait real quick do you uh, remember when we were bouncing off names for yeah. the module yeah we have this list long process this list of uh-huh. like songs that are stones that sing or I don't know <laughs> yeah i want to yeah. go find that i want to read those they're just God, so no, funny okay no, okay no. go ahead yeah. go ahead go ahead um anyway sometimes when i have to improv like large amounts of content it's an absolute nightmare and it's not <laughs> it's just not going up for anyone Every once in a while, lightning strikes, and it's like a sublime experience, and I can't believe I pulled it off. And that was one of those times where I can't believe like I improved enough fun stuff, and they did not know I was improving it. And I was able to like after that ended, I wrote down all my notes, was like, and put that into the module. And I was like, I can't believe like that worked. I can't believe I came up with enough stuff to make this a fun night of gaming. So, um, for a couple of reasons, the, all those that stuff. That that's my my favorite uh, thing I've written. I think. Yeah that that is a wacky wacky place. There's like yeah vampire blood, but the blood is sentient or something. Right. Yeah, because it's so old, it's turned to crystals, <laughs> so and in this valley, yeah, like rocks and crystals can talk. Yeah, <laughs> right. crystallized vampiric blood. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, enough. Uh, no, you, enough it's okay to talk about stuff that you like. It's okay. That's true. You just that's like true. it. You're not saying yeah. it's the best thing in the world. Um, yeah, it is good yeah. though. the The art is great as well. Uh, so, all right. The next question is from our good pal Josh Demansky. Big fans. Oh uh, yeah. Hi, Josh Demansky. Yeah, big fans. Uh, given your history with Dungeon World, this is to me. I think I'm curious yeah. on your thoughts beyond the OSR. What are your favorite story games or systems that don't fall within the spectrum of traditional Western fantasy? Uh, uh, do you want to answer this first, or no? No. I mean, all right. No. 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 Go ahead. You go. I mean, I. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I mean, I've already talked. I'm thinking of things that I have already talked about. That's part of the problem is that I've already mentioned games like Dialect and The Quiet Year and Follow and and all these other story games. So I've, I've got to think of, you know, story games that are unusual, you know, maybe less less well known. Uh, <laughs> this is by Diogo Nogueira. Call, it's called Lost in the Deep. You play as the, the, yeah, right. Thank you. You play as the last surviving members of an expedition of dwarves who are looking out to restore their kingdom under the mountain. Sounds familiar. And yeah, you're all dwarves. (laughs) So I, I just, I really like that take. I own it in print. It's a really short book. Um, yeah, you know what? The art and the art style really reminds me of, uh, the, Dreaming Dragon Slayer game Scorn. It's called Scorn, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of an apocalyptic fantasy game. But anyhow, that's that's one. Another would be uh, I love Fiasco, the game Fiasco. I also have it in uh, yeah. the box. I have a box set version of it. For people who don't know, Fiasco is it's like if you codified a Coen Brothers movie, like The Big Lebowski, or probably more likely um, 
uh, Fargo. Yeah, it's more like Fargo. If you codified one of those game, one of those movies into a uh, card now card game or role playing game, and you you just had like a three or two hour party where you all acted out people with uh, high ambitions and low impulse control. I believe is the the frame uh, side <laughs> yeah. side story. Um, the my friend Bobby, who made the music for this podcast, he is friends with Frances McDormand, and she's married to Joel Cohen, who is one of the Cohen brothers. When he was one day, he was at my house, and I was showing him it, and he texted her the picture of Fiasco, which says, <laughs> you know, uh, it makes it obvious what it is, and she thought it was like an ama- she had never heard of it. She thought it was like an amazing, amazing oh thing. My God. So, so I am aware that she knows. I, I I know that she thinks it's awesome, which is cool. I want to play Fiasco with Frances McDormand. Oh my God! Are you kidding me, man? Yeah, I would. Do. She'd be into it. She is. Uh, so I did meet her. She is very down to earth. Uh, Joel Cohen, not. Uh, he does not like people. <laughs> I had an mm-hmm. odd interaction with him in a bathroom at. He, they both came to my friend's wedding. My friend Bobby did this. Yeah, his, he, she, they were at his wedding, and she was wonderful and super warm and talked and played with my kid and stuff, but. Uh, he didn't, Joel just like kind of hung out and didn't talk to anybody. And then we had this awkward moment in the bathroom where he didn't take off his sunglasses, which I thought was weird. Cause I couldn't see his eyes and we just kind of had to move around each other. And I tried to be like cheery in the bathroom, but I mean, I guess he probably, he probably gets weirded out by people or maybe I weirded him out anyhow. So that's my Joel Cohen story. But, uh, <laughs> wow. I did not mention fiasco, uh, side, yeah. side story. Since this is the after show show. Yeah, yeah, there's no rules. At his wedding, I had been barred from being allowed to be near a microphone. Like there was a right a, a lot of um there were some you're con- an, you're there was instigator. consequences. You're an agitator. I, again, yeah. I didn't I mean, you're the instigator. I just he did he was look, okay, he was late to my wedding and uh I was looking for a, a way like he got there as we were doing the vows, you know, and I got, I was looking for a way to get back at him, you know, and his brother was in charge of everything. And I said, Can you just get me the mic. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then yeah. I told him my plan and he agreed. And so what happened was, is when everyone was like circling up and, and, you know, Bobby talked and his brother talked and then his wife's uh, brother talked, whatever. They all thought it was over, and then his brother hands me the mic, and the blood drains off of Bobby's face in in such an amazing way. I, I'll always remember it. He was so nervous, and all I, I and I, <laughs> I I just held up my glass and said "Lachaim," and you know it was fine. But I, seeing his you, 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 frozen, you, you terrified him. look, you yeah, it was you good. Going to say something awful and embarrassing. I, I yeah, that's right, that's right. So take that, oldest friend. Yeah, Bobby. Any any Smoke anyways. Yeah, I doubt this is <laughs> interesting to anybody else. But so that's that. Let's move on to another question. Oh no, you didn't answer that. Okay, the, you didn't answer that. So do uh, okay, you- favorite story games. Um, I mean, I don't think enough can be said about the Quiet Year. I think that's influenced just about mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. Uh, RPG thing I've ever made or thought of since I played it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've had a lot of fun with, uh, I mean, Blades in the Dark. No one's going to be surprised that that game is a very popular game. It's fun. I had fun with that. Played a story game a couple of months ago called Stealing the Throne. Thought that was fun. About stealing like a, a, a giant mecha. Uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting mechanics. Had a right. good time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I also um, love the story. Uh, the, the Quiet Year. Really great. Yeah. Agreed. Avery Alder. Really great. 
Yeah. All right. Moving on. This is from Matt Umland, who, if folks don't know, he did he put together that recent mothership planet generator, like web based planet generator that is like really amazing. Uh, really anyhow, cool. he he writes. The ever-present threat of death is one of the most thrilling parts of OSR-slash-NSR-style play for me and my regular gaming folks. But when I run games for people with little or no experience in RPGs, I find that high lethality can be a turnoff to some new players. How does one reduce lethality without numbing the thrill of danger and discovery inherent in old-school-style play? Is it possible? Any tips or tricks or specific rule sets that can help accomplish this? That's hard. I mean, that part of it is this kind of baked into the experience. Like you said, uh, the, the risk of lethality is something that I think makes the game fun. It gives it stakes, it gives it consequences, and, you know, it fuels player agency. You have to make good decisions because there are, there are stakes. Um, that said, yeah, I get it. Um, some people don't have as much fun with that as others or need to be eased in. Um, okay, few ideas, things I've uh, tried that I think mitigate that a bit. One, um, like let's stay, let players start with max HP. Doesn't affect anything that much. Um, if you're playing like BX or old school essentials, something like that, it, it can make a big difference between starting with six HP or rolling and starting with one HP. You might survive two hits. Who knows? Um, another thing is, um, and some people might might balk at this, but um, introduce like a kind of table meta currency. Like maybe th- uh, I could thrown some poker chips in the table. Maybe you get three for the group or whatever. And you, these are re-roll chips. Someone can use one to re-roll a roll. Any roll. Could be a DM roll. Um, but, you know, the group has to like be in consensus. Everyone has to vote on it or something like that. Or it, anyone can grab one and no one can object. Something like that. Um... Yeah, so if like a player gets killed, oh man, let's hope you got a reroll chip because you can make me reroll and see if that my attack roll really hit or something like that. Um, you know, the risk of death is still there, but at least gives a little bit more wiggle room. Um, but I, yeah, I, that's something definitely to use sparingly. You don't want to like flood the table with rerolls. That really takes away some of the fun of the game. Um, any thoughts of your own there on this topic? Yeah, I have a lot. So the first thing I would say. Lethality in OSR games is a driving force for, as you said, giving stakes, but it, it, it helps people avoid combat. And the reason I like that is that as much as people want to put an emphasis on combat in old school games, the reality is if you're truly trying to solve problems, explore and discover, direct combat is rarely the best way to get to those, you know, to, to achieve those goals. Of exploration, discovery, and problem solving. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have combat, and combat isn't fun. It's totally fun. It's just lethality is what forces you to avoid that. So I really think it has an important place. Now, that said, there's two things I want to say. The first is Ben Milton's Labyrinth role-playing game has a really great way of working around this problem in terms of uh, violence and lethality and it has a whole section on it so i strongly recommend people check that out if they're interested in running an rpg for kids or people who are more sensitive to violence in games that's always one thing so he actually does find ways of doing that and that's because there's in there's in world reasons uh in there's in world consequences that are not quite death but they do cost you something so there has to be stakes and the second thing i want to bring up is there's an episode of the Australian children's show Bluey all about <laughs> this. It, it's it's called Shadowlands. And in oh, the yeah. episode Classic. 
<laughs> in the episode, in the episode, the game is the kids are all playing in a park, and the kids are of course dogs, but they're all playing in a park, and they come up with this game called Shadowlands, which this is a game I play with kids all the time. I, I love this game, where basically the shadows that trees make and whatever buildings, those are safe spaces, but anywhere the sun touches is, you know, water and there's alligators or crocodiles as they would call them. And, or they, you know, or as they call them and they they call them that in the show. That's what I mean. As Uh, they are called. Yeah. Yeah. As they, yeah, they refer to, anyways, there are crocodiles in the water and they need to get from one place to another where there are cupcakes to, uh, without stepping into the water. And one of the characters, Chloe is her name. She's a poodle. I believe she keeps wanting to break the rules. She keeps wanting to say, hey, let's pretend we're water boatmen and we can walk with water shoes or let's pretend there aren't alligators here, etc. And the other characters are really frustrated with her. And she keeps saying, explain to me why we need rules. Like, What is the reason we need rules? And by the end of the episode, she says, oh, I get why we need rules. Rules are what make it fun. And, you know, for, for example, in the episode... They need to cross one gap, and what they do is they create a tower of themselves, like three of them on each other's shoulders, and that creates a shadow so that people can cross. You know, they do stuff like that. And having to do this kind of problem solving made the game fun. And I think it's a really good lesson for not just kids, but for game designers, that rules are there to help the play experience, and lethality is there to create that experience. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay for people to die in games. Maybe part of playing with them is that they should just know that that's an option and you should be able to be okay with that. Maybe give them two players so they're, you know, so they're not out of the game right away or something or two characters, excuse me, so that they're not out of the game right away. But yeah, I, I, my feeling is uh, too bad. That's the kind of gameplay this yeah. is. And Well said. Uh, well said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, there are, Brad's ideas are good too. S- stakes matter, you know. Everyone has uh, different things to say, you know? Um, we're almost at the bottom here. I didn't read everything, but we're getting there. What's maybe one more? Maybe one more? We're uh, getting towards the end here. Okay. 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 Let me ask. Really wait, I, we, actually have a, we actually have a contemporaneous question that maybe we could okay. answer just at the very end. It's, it's just time sensitive, you know? So maybe, I, maybe we'll add just one more. This is, oh, uh, this, is from, this is from Cameron. Hi, Brad and Yuhai. I'm in a situation. Hi, Cameron. I'm in a situation in which I have a few more players than I really want. I have eight players for old school essentials when I actually would like six max, as I sometimes struggle with holding a lot of information, adjudicating rules, and building a coherent scene with a lot of people tell me about it. Without basically telling two of them that they can't take part, how would you go about managing this? Or would you just run for eight regardless? Cheers. Wow, really, uh, really fun problem. Too many friends to play with. Um, <laughs> get out of here. Uh, yeah, get out. Well, you're just flexing. <laughs> Come on. No, you know what this is? They, this person must yeah. be in their, tw- in their 20s or something, you know? <laughs> it's the only explanation. I, I mean, yeah, I'm going to allow myself. Certainly, no, there, there's certainly situations, you know, like roommates start bringing their girlfriends and boyfriends and suddenly there's a big group of people. Like, I get it, you know? Um, you know, um, yeah. Uh, well, I think two thoughts to that one. Uh, you don't have to run for eight people. I would communicate that, that it's really hard to do that and see if anyone's willing to not play. <laughs> like, um, also again, this might be an age specific thing. Um, I am 40 and most of the people I play with are ages pretty similar to that. 
and adult schedules are very, very hard. So it's very rare where all of my players are at the table in a given week. So like if I had a group of eight, like that probably wouldn't look more like a group of five or six week to week. Now you can't count for that. You have to like assume there's going to be some eight player weeks, um, but it might just kind of work out. <laughs> um, but I would probably just start by and, you know, yeah, I would just kind of say, hey, this is too many people. Uh, can you guys figure this something out? <laughs> Put it on them because uh, that's that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, what what do you say? As usual, talk to people is the answer. Yeah, I'd say in this case, I wouldn't I just wouldn't do it. I'd run two separate games or just one or maybe I'd encourage one of them to run the game themselves, you know, so yeah. same position as you. If if I had that many players, I have run for six people. And that is actually a lot, uh, especially in a game that has turns and they can go. I mean, I can only imagine if it was a 5e game, how long it would take combat or something. Right. Uh, I would, and I, you know, I I've would, been in yeah. similar situations where someone was like, hey, I really want to bring my husband and also my friend. And I'm like, wow, that's adding up to be a lot. Can you like pick one of those people? Like, right. You know, right. Yeah. The sweet spot for me is three players. That's just what I've figured out. Four is nice sometimes, but three that's is tight. Really good. That's lean, you, lean you can, and mean. You can yeah. you can schedule three a little more easily. You don't have to wait for the fourth. You know, um, as you all, as everyone knows, scheduling RPGs is the real game. And so the real having game, the yeah. right the right the right amount of people for those purposes. You know, that's so. I, yeah, this is too many. Just have two games. Maybe make one of them run a game. Oh yeah, yeah split it out. Game. Run two sessions. There yeah. we go. Yeah, that's fun. You know, you could do Mix is a West up. Marches. You could do a West Marches situation where you just say, yeah, "Hey, yeah, on Saturday, whoever whoever comes in, I'll run for maximum five people. Let me know by this date. Um, if if every, you know everyone signs up, then I'll do it on Sunday too. And and it's the same world. Well, um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the games, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, you know, not, it's all about the games we okay. play, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, I think we're good. Uh, well, we have more. This isn't all of them, but tried to catch up. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. That's uh, we answered the questions. I think we learned a little something about ourselves mm-hmm. and maybe each other as well. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I feel myself growing and changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel my flower yeah. unfurling in the light I of uh, talk, talk brotherly brotherly love and friendship oh. here. How's your how's your brotherly flower? Ugh, Is that unfurling? I, oh god why did that make it worse uh, i have a question do you do the outro or do i on after show show i don't remember uh, i already did the intro and i'm still kind of okay. exhausted from that so right. you outro us uh, thanks for listening to between two cairns our music for the after show show is by bobby mckelver and uh you can reach us at between two cairns at gmail.com send us more of your emails and we will eventually get to them uh also Brad, you have a bunch of stickers that got to go out. You got to get on that, man. It's, yeah, it's we're three, you're going to have to wait on that one. I'm I'm, uh, I got, I'm busy. I got stuff going on, but I'll get there. Yeah, well, I promise. I love everyone. Your... Uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Adios. Snoopy doopies. <laughs> okay. <laughs>